Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Awesome. We, uh, through the week, uh, Troy and I and Ashley Botchel, who's away today, and another young guy from Maryborough went down to uh, the Youth Alive, Youth Alive National Leadership Summit, which is on every couple of years, down the Gold Coast, and it's uh, a gathering of about 350 uh, youth, young adult uh, pastors and leaders from all over Australia. And I had some great uh, preachers there, and uh, a couple of highlights I just want to share with you to encourage you. There was, uh, there was people who come from Poland. Uh, and Sri Lanka as well. And one young guy, uh, Hashan, was there and he uh, got up and Cam got him up to sort of speak uh, for a moment and share about what's happening in Sri Lanka. And last year in Sri Lanka, because, you know, I'm sharing this because our church is a part of Youth Alive and I know you've sewed into Youth Alive events over the years and we do our local Youth Alive events here. Last year they ran their first uh, conference, Youth Alive conference in Sri Lanka ever in history. And uh, there was 3,000 uh, young people, uh, leaders and pastors came uh, to that conference and out of that conference they established a hundred new youth groups uh, which is very good and, um, and so he shared that and so, and then this year they're running a conference again and they're believing about 5,000 to come and there's about 300 active youth groups all through Sri Lanka and they saw some, we saw some photos and video of that and uh, there's this incredible hunger in Sri Lankan young people to meet Jesus and in that country. And the second thing, there was another guy there called Brad Cooper and uh, he, uh, I'd never heard of him before or the church, I'd heard of his senior pastor, who I can't remember his name but I had heard of his name and, and uh, he shared and he was like an assistant pastor in the church, he's probably around 30 years old. And uh, 15 years ago, uh, his now senior pastor um, basically had a group of 10 people and started a life group. God said, just start, just start a life group uh, every week. And he did that. And, uh, and over 15 years, that's grown. And last Sunday, they had 33,000 in church and in South Carolina. And, um, and he was just sharing, and he, I think it's a Baptist church, but he was just sharing, he's played some great messages, and just shared about, you know, what God had been doing and all that kind of stuff. And I just want to encourage you with that, that God is moving in many places over the world, including in Harvey Bay, and the best is yet to come for what he's going to do in our city. So get ready, because we're going to see incredible growth, people coming in the kingdom. We're seeing that happen, but it's going to increase and be far more than what we've seen so far. And I want to encourage you, church, keep pressing into God and make room for him, because the best is about to come and yet to come. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. This morning I pray you'd speak to us, Holy Spirit, encourage us, challenge us, that we would draw close to you and press into you. There would not be just another word that we go, okay, that's good let's go home but it would deposit something in our spirit today holy spirit that would change us from the inside out that we'd have an encounter with you lord god to see this city one and transformed in the name of jesus we thank you jesus that you are in control that you have incredible things you're about to do in our city and we're excited to see what you're going to do right now in our lives in jesus name amen you can take a seat cool so this morning i want to talk to you about three things you should know Three things you need to know. And uh, I just want to share a story with you. And uh, if you've ever read the book of Hosea, um, not everyone has read that book. It's not a book that we, someone just dive into and, and read. But the book of Hosea uh, is a book about the, a relationship between Hosea, who was a prophet of God, a man of God, and his wife. The first three chapters talk about that. But all through the book of Hosea, it talks about how the people, God's people of Israel, about their relationship with God. And his relationship with his wife, we're going to see in a moment, um, is a mirror 
of what is happening between God and the people of Israel. In Hosea chapter 1, it says this. God speaks to Hosea, and he's a prophet of God, and one of the first things he says to him is this. I'm just wondering how you'd handle this uh, word from God. He says, When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute. So that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshipping other gods. So Hosea married Goma, this incredibly good name, Goma, uh, the daughter of Diblaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. In fact, they ended up having three children. But imagine that. You sort of think, God, what do you mean? Go and marry a... I'm not going to... God, that can't be your plan. You can't want me to marry a prostitute. But he listened to the Word of God, and God had a plan through it all to illustrate something to the people of Israel and to us. And so he does that. He marries her. They have three children. But the problem is Goma. You know, Hosea is a man of God, loved her. But she still went out, and while she was married to him, still left at night and went out seeking men and still was a prostitute. And he lived with her, and he would welcome her back in the house, obviously loving her, but she would go off. He didn't like restrain her and stop her, but she went and did that. Until finally, one night, she never came home, didn't come back. And he, and he thought, well, you know, something's happened to her or whatever. But she'd basically gone and found a man who was living with someone else and just didn't come home. And then you read on further in chapter 2, he said this about that situation, which is all, and also everything in this is talking also about the heart of God towards the people of Israel. And they were doing the same thing. The, the people of Israel were turning to other gods. And in God's eyes, he were, used the words to prostitute themselves, meaning they were, they were giving themselves to other gods, worshipping other gods, giving themselves to other lusts, giving themselves to other things, and they weren't giving themselves to God. They knew about God, they knew God's power, they knew who God was, and they chose to go, I know that, but I want to go and do this. Same as Gomer said, I know you're my husband, I know you love me, Hosea, but I want to go and do this. And so then he writes these words. This is one of those stories that are happy, sad stories, and he writes these words. He said, she decked herself with rings and jewelry, and went after her lovers, but me she forgot. So imagine the, how, how uh, Hosea's feeling, but that was how God was feeling over his people. They deck themselves with rings and jewelry. They go out after their lovers, meaning they go after other gods, other things that I've said you shouldn't do because it's going to destroy your lives, but they forgot me. And that's what the people were doing. You know, and I was thinking about this, felt the challenge of the Holy Spirit that our church, the church, not just, I'm not talking about our church, but the church in general worldwide, there's people and churches that say, yes, I, we're, you know, because the Bible talks about that, that we're the bride of Christ, that Christ is our husband. That's the, in those words, we belong to him. But I know there's people, I've seen people, and they say, yes, I, I, I want to come to church, but then they'll go away, and it's like they go and give themselves to other things and give themselves away, and God says, but I want you to be mine. I want to know you. I want, I want to draw you close to me. I want you to, I want you to know me, and I want to be first, and I want, to, I want you to love me first. But then it's sometimes I've seen people, and maybe you're sitting here with this sort of thing, oh, I love God, but, then, but you say things, but maybe your actions tell a different story. And so that's what the people were doing. But then this is the good news. It says this, 
that Hosea 2.23, it says, this is what God was saying. He says, I will show my love to the one I called not my love on. I will say to those who called not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. In other words, God then begins to pursue the people of Israel, and he, then he says to Hosea in chapter 3, he says these words to him, his Lord said to me, go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes, which is food offered to gods and all that kind of stuff they were partaking in. So I bought her. He says, I bought Gomer for 15 shekels of silver. That's 200 grams of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley, which is 200 kilos of barley. It's a lot of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man and I will behave the same way towards you. In other words, he said, no, I'm, and he actually went and paid for her, his own wife. She paid for her and paid a ransom to bring her home. Do you know that's a totally a picture of what Jesus did for you and for me? We're away from God, serving other stuff, serving other sin and whatever it was. We're away from God. And Jesus came. And he didn't pay our ransom for our lives with silver or gold or with, you know, food or whatever it may have been like he used in those days. He paid for us with his very life, his very blood that was shed, his body that was broken that we just talked about in communion. He paid for you with his life because that is the price that was needed so that you could be free. You don't have to pay the price for your sin. You don't have to pay any punishment for your sin because Jesus took all your punishment Paid all the price that needed to be paid for you. Just for you. Just for you. Sometimes you look at it, oh, did he pay for the whole world? But he did pay for the whole world, but he also paid it just for you. He did it personally. And so God pursued his people of Israel. And you read through that he then he has to talk about what was going to happen to Israel when they turned back to him. And, and then we, and it shows how... Hosea went and rescued her and brought her back in and said, you're not doing this anymore. It's time to turn and stay with me. And it's a picture that God calls us and he says, he says, I love you so much. He says, no, don't go out and do that anymore. Don't turn away from me anymore. Don't go and do those things that will destroy your life anymore. Stay with me. And he calls us. And he call, I know people that have been in church and, uh, and they've, whatever reason, they've decided just to turn their back on God and do that other thing. And people may call them backslidden or whatever other word you want. They're just basically just away from God. And, and I know people like that, but I know that they can walk all so far away, can they be miles away, but it's only one step to turn around. And he's there because he pursues us. He pursues those people you know that are away from God. Don't ever give up because God never gives up on them. Don't you ever give up on them. He pursues people. He loves them. The first thing you need to know, there's three things this morning. The first thing you need to know is that He loves you. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you just the way you are. He loves you with mistakes. He loves you this when you're not perfect, when you've made mistakes, and all of us have done the wrong thing. He loves you just the way you are. And He draws you close. And when you, think, when you come to Him close, guess what? He loves you so much. You say, come even closer. And you say, I want to spend more time with you. I want to draw closer to you. I want to speak into your life. I, there's so much more when, when you're close. He just doesn't go, okay, that's good. You know me now. And, and you're here. No, He goes, no, come closer. 
just spend a bit more time. Make a bit more room for me in your life. At the end of this service, at the end of this, we're going to make some room for the Holy Spirit to move. Because He wants us, when we make room for Him, He comes. Because He loves us and He's pursuing us. Because He has greater things that we haven't yet seen. So he ransomed us. And the same in second in First Timothy chapter two, three to six, it says this this is good. And pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. All people. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This is now this has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Jesus loves you and he ransomed you, paid the price for you so you could know him. The second thing you need to know is this. You need to know who you are. People say, oh, I know who I am, whatever, but I've met plenty of people that don't really know who they are. They, we all have a name and your name has a meaning, but there is actually something deeper in your life that goes beyond your very name. There's a name that you have that is actually greater than your name that we call you by. And it says this, there's, there's this encounter that happens in Matthew 16, verse 13 to 19, a bit between Jesus and Peter and the disciples. It says this, when Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, this is the message version, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? In other words, what are they saying about me? They, re- they replied, some think he's John the baptizer, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. He pressed them. And how about you? Who do you say I am? So it's like a question. They're like thinking, okay, well, you know, you can imagine there's a bit, oh, what if I get this wrong? What if I say the wrong thing? And so then suddenly though, Peter, Simon Peter said, you're the Christ. Now when he said Christ, the word Christ means anointed one anointed one and that's important he said you're the anointed one the messiah the son of the living god jesus came back god bless you simon son of jonah you didn't get the answer out of books or from teachers my father in heaven god himself let you in on this secret of who i really am and now i'm going to tell you who you really are you are peter a rock This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. Earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven and a no on earth is a no on heaven. That's a pretty powerful statement. All of that is very, very powerful. You know, when you look at this, there's a deeper identity of who you are beyond your name. And I know there's people in this room that people have called you certain things. That you've walked around with an identity saying, well, you're just, you're a loser. You're no good. I mean, there's people being called stuff that has stuck to you. So you're worthless. You're this, you're that. But that's not the way God sees you. He has a destiny and a plan and a purpose for your life. And he calls you by name. See, Peter was a fisherman. And so they would have been rough. He probably swore. He would have been, they weren't just just ordinary 
together. Guys, they were, they were rough. There's a rough industry or whatever and still is today. And so he would have been a bit of a mess. And people said, oh, don't, who wants, the, God, you know, don't follow why would Jesus want to use Peter? What are you following Jesus for, Peter? You're just this. You're just that. You're just that guy we've seen down the beach. And so he would have had a reputation between some people. And maybe he thought that about himself. And he sort of think, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just I'm a fisherman. I'm following Jesus. I'm seeing all these things. But, you know, but then he gets his revelation. And suddenly he realized when Jesus asked a question, he goes, I know who he is. I know who he's, he's the anointed one. He says, Jesus, you're the anointed one. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, no man, no book, not Google. If they had Google, Google wouldn't have told him either. No one showed you who I am, but my God, my heavenly father, showed you personally who I am. And then he begins to say, so Peter saw who Jesus was. He has a revelation of who Jesus was. And when he saw who Jesus was, Jesus spoke to him and said, this is who you are. And he found out who he was. He didn't find out who he was until he saw who Jesus was. And I'll tell you what, it's exactly the same in your life. When you have a revelation of Jesus in your life, when you really see that He is the anointed one, He is the Messiah, He is the one who He is the Son of God, He's all-powerful, almighty, He was exactly who He says He was. When you see He is above all and in all, when you see who Jesus is, He'll go, this is now who you are. And He'll reveal your identity, something deeper than you haven't even seen. And you'll see who you really are when you see who Jesus really is. He had an encounter and a revelation about who Jesus was. And it was so powerful that he actually changed his name to Peter. And he said, and, and if you look at it, it talks about, he said, he was like Peter, you know, Simon Peter was like a little pebble. He's like a real rock. He wasn't much at all. But he said, no, you actually, Peter, you're a rock. You're a foundation stone. Jesus is the foundation stone, but I'm going to use you to build my church because your name is a rock that belongs on my foundation. And he changed his name and begins to speak into who he was going to be. So suddenly this fisherman, this person he thought probably wasn't much at all, trying to get things together, he starts to say, you are a rock I'm going to build my church on. A church is so powerful, so expansive, the gates of hell can't even stand up against it. And he said, I'm going to reveal heaven, the kingdom of heaven is yours. And what you, a yes in earth is a yes in heaven. I'm mean, going to have access to everything in my kingdom. And he begins to speak about the future and what was going to happen. And you can imagine Peter standing there saying, oh, but I'm just an ordinary guy. But he says, no, you are Peter, a rock. And he's just, his whole world is just getting shaken. And, you're, and I'm, by the way, I've just changed your name because people have called you Simon Peter, but you're actually Peter, a rock, a solid rock. You're not just a little pebble anymore. You are a solid rock. You're strong. You're steadfast. And he begins to speak into his life. Our world, our world, the people out there, people you know, they're not just looking for just a, another kind word from us as a Christian or another word saying God you know, loves you, even though that's good and important to speak it. They want more than that. They want an encounter with Jesus Christ. They want an encounter with God. They do. They want to encounter with God. They don't want just a bunch of words. They want an encounter with God. They want to encounter Him. 
You know, you, you'll sit, and I said this in the first service, you can, you'll sit here today and in three or four weeks' time, you'll forget the songs we sang this morning. You can't even remember from last week, can you? I can't. And you'll forget this message that I've preached. Down the tree, you go, oh, I can't remember exactly what he said. But I'll tell you what, if you encounter God this morning, if you're in an altar this morning and God speaks to you and encounters you or you could be sitting in your seat right now and something just happens, something transforms you right where you're sitting right now. If you have an encounter with God, you will not forget that. You will forget everything else, but you will remember what God said. I can, about, I can count at least five times in my life where I can, I was on a, when I was young, I was on a camp, I was here, I was there, I was in church or whatever, different times, different places. I can't remember what songs we sang except for one that went for two hours at one altar call and I do remember that song. But every other song I've forgotten. I can't remember what was spoken in the message. I can't. I can't remember what they preached about. I can't remember any of that stuff. I'm sure it was good, but I can't remember it. But I remember standing in an altar call and the power of God hitting my body. And I remember that one time I was just laid on the ground for about an hour. I remember that. I remember exactly what what it looked like. I remember exactly what God said to me another time and another encounter. I can remember all these times through my life. I can forget everything else, but I can go back to those times. And when things might be going, I'm not quite sure what should I do, I go back and God reminds me, remember when I spoke to you. Remember when my power touched you. Remember when I said this. Remember when I did that. Remember all those times and it takes you back and you remember what he said from that encounter and it propels you on to what he's going to do. We need an encounter. Part of the reason people maybe aren't rocking up to churches and stuff and coming in is because many churches don't make room for the Holy Spirit to provide encounter. Everything's so... Everything's so lined up and so ordered that the Holy Spirit's wanting to break out with whoever. Any denomination, He can do it. And as soon as you make room... I thank you that our church makes some room. We make some room for God to move. We want you to encounter God. We don't want it just to be another Sunday, another message, another song. We want you to encounter God because you'll never forget it and it will transform and change your life. And so Peter has this incredible encounter. You know what the positive thing out of this is? That, That Peter, after this encounter... He messed up big time. He goes and denies Jesus three times. And, and Jesus says, you're going to deny me. And he goes, I'd never, I'd never deny you. And another time Peter says something and, he, and Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan. And Peter's like, oh, but I'm, I'm, but I'm the rock. You're going to build a church, but no, get behind me, Satan. You know, don't speak that. That's not the truth. And so he, a couple of times, he just messed up big time. And, he's, and he denies Jesus three times. And, and the Bible says he just starts weeping and, and just runs off before Jesus is crucified. And he probably thought, man, I've just messed up. That I can imagine him being reminded. While he's sitting there crying or upset, suddenly he's reminded that, oh, hang on a minute. I remember the time when I saw who Jesus was. And he spoke to me and said, you're Peter a rock. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he said, well, Jesus, Jesus doesn't lie. And he remembered all the miracles. And that guy was raised from the dead. And that, person, that blind person was healed. And that lame person could now walk. And he starts to remember all these things and the feeding of the 5,000 people. And, and all these miracles happen. He said, that all that stuff has happened for a reason. And so he can be like, I've, I've messed up. But then but he's going, but there must be something more. There must be something else. And, and then as he, Jesus rises from the dead and he meets with Peter down the track and reinstates Peter. 
and says, yeah, you messed up, but um, he reinstates him, forgives him and says, okay, we're back on track, everything's okay, don't worry. You're still the rock. You're still Peter. I'm still going to do what I've said I'm going to do. And you know, you can be sitting here this morning and go, well, I've messed up. Join the club, we've all done that. You can just say, oh, but I've, I've done this. No, he says, well, oh, no, you haven't, it's still on track plan's still in place what i said about you is still going to happen it's still true don't write yourself off because i haven't written you off it's 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 he's, it just reinstates you just jesus has paid for it all he's paid the price for your sin he's ransomed you he's nothing you can earn nothing you can do that'll stop him loving you unconditionally and he said it's all on track don't write yourself off just come to him and say i'm sorry let's keep going and so then we meet then we Jesus says, I'm going back to heaven. We're going to send one. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the counselor. I'm going to send my power. And I said, you've got to wait for it. And so they're waiting in the upper room, 120 of them. And then it says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. Realize what it says? So there was tongues of fire rested on each of them. Do you know the powerful thing about this is that that Peter recognized when, he, when, he, when Jesus asked who I am, he recognized, he said, that Jesus, you are the anointed one, the Christ, the anointed one. When that Holy Spirit fell on them individually, it's, it was a symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit coming on them individually. So Jesus said, you're, Peter said, you're the anointed one, Jesus. I see the anointing of the Messiah. And now when the Holy Spirit's poured out, Jesus says, now I'm anointing all of you. With the same anointing that's upon me, I'm anointing you. I'm anointing that anointing that I carry, that power I carried, you now carry. And he anointed them. And that anointing fits perfectly in with your own identity. We're not don't don't ever go after someone else's anointing. I remember I remember people talking and saying, I want Reinhard Bonke to pray for them so they can get his anointing. You can't have his anointing. It's his anointing. Get your own anointing. It's the truth. We don't need to go. Oh, well, that person's anointing. His, his looks a bit better than mine. No, it's your, it won't fit you. It'll mess you up. It won't work. You need your own personal anointing that comes, works with your personality on who you are. It's your anointing that he wants to fill you with. He pours out his spirit and there's a personal anointing that comes upon them. It matches your identity. It empowers you to do what Jesus did. We are called to do what Jesus did. Peter goes on, and then Peter, who was, had messed up, all this kind of stuff, he's the one that steps out. It says he steps out, and he had all the other disciples and that with him, and he steps out and he says these words. These people aren't drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's 9 o'clock in the morning, much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. You are meant to prophesy. There's gift. The gifts of the spirit are meant to work through you. You don't have to have some credential. You don't have to be up on stage. You don't have to be in some leadership position. You are meant to prophesy wherever you are. The whole same Holy Spirit works through you. It's not limited to who you are or might, you might think you have to be. 
Your young men will see visions. Young men here, you need to see visions. God says you would, just so expect it. Your old men will dream dreams. You're meant to dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. It's talking about everybody, men, women, older men and women. You're meant to dream dreams. Young men and women, you're meant to see visions. And all of us are meant to prophesy. And I'll cause wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn to blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter goes on and talks to them all about Jesus, shares about who Jesus was, explains to them that they crucified him on the cross. And, and, then, they, and then Peter, who had a revelation of who Jesus was. Suddenly as he's speaking, these 3,000 people in front of him or more that were standing there, they had a revelation of who Jesus was as he spoke now. Because that anointing that was on Jesus is now on Peter. And as he spoke, it wasn't Peter's great words. It wasn't his good looks. It wasn't his reputation. He had no reputation. It was the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit solely that used the words that he spoke to give people a revelation of Jesus. And the Bible says that 3,000 came and surrendered their lives to Jesus and were baptized that day. And the church began. John 14, 12 to 14 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, this is Jesus speaking, will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for me Ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. He says it twice. That's not talking about there's anything you want or you think that would be a good idea. I need that, I need that, I need that. It's talking about things that line up with the Word of God and the heart of God and the kingdom of God. And when you ask those things in the name of Jesus, He said you'll have it. When you need healing in your body, does God want you to be healed? Yes, He does. And you can have it. Come on, the worship team, come on up. finally says this in Acts Acts chapter 5 a whole lot of stuff had happened and they just that there was people that were wealthy and that had land and, and there was a lot of poor people that were becoming Christians and following Jesus and and so people were coming and selling their property and, and, and giving the money to help the poor they just had you know, they had land and things they could sell and they just want to bless people. And there's a story that happens in Acts chapter 5 about two people, Ananias and Sapphira, who sold a property and, and that was all fine. But when they came to give the money, they kept some for themselves. And when they were asked, instead of saying, oh, yeah, we want to give this, but we're going to keep this, it would have been okay. But they said, oh, yeah, that's the full amount. That's the full amount. And each one of them came in and said that. And then, and then Peter says, you know, is that, the, is that really what you, is that correct? And they, and they lied and they said, yeah, that's correct. And they dropped dead instantly. And then, another, then his wife comes in and says, you know, and they dragged her husband out. Next minute, her wife comes in and, and they said, where's my husband looking for a husband? And he goes, oh, yeah, he came in to give the money. And I said, is that, is that the correct amount? And he even gave her a chance. She could have been the truthful. And, is, that, is that the correct amount? Is that the full amount? You said you're giving the full amount. And uh, she said, yeah, that's the full amount. And bang, she dropped dead too. And so that happens, which would put a fear of God in the place. And then from that moment on, there was like this fear of the Lord happened and there was a great increase of power and great increase of signs and wonders and miracles. And it says this, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple 
in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade, but no one else dared join them because they were scared. We better have our lives right because you know what's going to happen. Even though all the people had high regard for them, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Now listen to this. Crowds of both men and women, as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across them. And as he went by, crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Even the ones that lay on the mats, as Peter's shadow walked by, they were healed. Peter who denied Jesus. Peter who messed up, who wasn't perfect. But Peter who had a revelation of who Jesus was. There was bold enough to believe that Jesus could actually use him. And what Jesus said about him was true. And I tell you, if you will just believe what Jesus says about you, you'll be amazed what God will do through you. And half the problem our church, church is that people aren't stepping out and doing great things for God is they don't believe what Jesus says about them. And they allow fear and other things to hold them back and fear of man and fear of reputation or fear what people think and if people just stop and go Jesus I believe what you said about me I believe the same anointing of the Holy Spirit that was on Jesus is filling me and I can do what Jesus calls me to do because he said you'll even do greater things than he did so he's saying it's it's God's will for you to step out and do great things for God you just got to really believe it you got to believe it we can do what Jesus did That's how our world's going to be transformed. When people have an encounter with God, when our nation has a move of God, an encounter with God, it'll change everything. Change everything. It'll sort out issues and problems like you wouldn't believe because they'll suddenly have a revelation of who Jesus is. They'll suddenly believe who Jesus is and they'll see His power and they won't be able to deny it. You need to know that you are loved. You need to know who you are. The last one is you need to know what you carry. You carry the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Don't leave it dormant. Don't put it to the side. Don't press it down. Let the power of God flow through your life. And you will change everything around you. Your life will be transformed. Let's stand this morning. It's a challenging message. But it's what God uses to bring people, to awaken people, and to Master Preston, He pursues us. He has great things He wants you to do. He want, He's pursuing you, saying, come on, I want to use you powerfully in this city, powerfully in your workplace, powerfully in your family. I don't want you to just stand back and say, oh, someone else will do it. No, He wants you to do it. He wants you to do it. We're going to do two things this morning. First thing I'm going to do is this, and then we're going to, we're going to open up this altar in a moment. But if you're here today, and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never taken that first step and, and said, Jesus, forgive me, come into my life. I want to know you. It's a simple, it's, it's like he's waiting for you with his arms wide open and saying, all you have to do is step to him and say, Jesus, I want, come and be my savior. Come and be my friend. Forgive me and he'll forgive you. He'll wash away and wipe away all the stuff, all the junk, all the sin. You say, I've done this, 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 yeah, all he knows it all already. He don't you don't need to tell him what you've done because he already knows. But he's been pursuing you. And today, 
He's saying, I want to come into your life. Will you allow me to come into your heart? If you're here today and say, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to surrender my life to him, make him Lord of my life. If that's you today, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air if you need to do that today. If you need to do that today, maybe you feel away from God. You might have done this before, but you just feel separated and away from God. I feel a long way away, but long way off, but it's one step back to him. Anyone need to do that this morning before we move on? We never want to do one service without giving an opportunity for someone to surrender their life to Jesus. There's about four in the first service. This is what we want to do. In the first service, it's a bit slightly shorter service. We didn't have an altar call to do this. And I, and I felt the Holy Spirit throw out a challenge to people there and saying, if you're really hungry for God, for an encounter with God, that I felt the Holy Spirit to say, challenge them to hang around for the second service and press into God a bit more. And we're going to make room right now for the Holy Spirit to move. If I, I want to pray for people first in two groups, do the same thing. But those that hung around for this service and you want to say, I want an encounter with God, I'm hungry for God. If that's you, I want you to come and just walk out the front here. I know some of them, I know I see some of you in the crowd and some of the transformation guys are hungry for God. Because I believe God honors hunger. And I threw the challenge out saying, I know some people can't change plans, but I said, if you can change your plans, if you're willing to just press into God a bit, and all these people said, yeah, that was me, hung around for a second service because they want to encounter God. Who else out there that hasn't walked out the front in this service is saying, I want to encounter with God. I want to encounter God in my life. You're hungry for Him. You want more of Him. You don't just want to just stay the same. You don't want to be the same old thing, but you want an encounter with God. You want more of Him. If that's you, just throw your hand up in the air if that's you. I invite you to come and just stand out the front as well. Just come and stand out the front. We're going to have the team pray in a moment. We'll try and, we'll try and lay hands on everyone that we can. There's a few people praying. If we don't, it doesn't actually matter because it's actually God that will encounter you right where you stand. And if you're hungry for Him, as we begin to, we're going to begin, the team's going to worship and sing this song. And if you haven't come out the front, I just want you to just, just hang around for another five minutes or so and begin to worship God in this place. As we... Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.